0: Our focus and attention this morning is directed at the words of the Apostle John, recorded for us in the first letter of his book, beginning at the third cha- in the third chapter, or in the third chapter, beginning at the first verse. There, John writes, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. The word of our God. So what names have you been called? Now, it might be something general or a descriptor perhaps of a a position that you have, right? It could be, okay, I go to work and people call me the boss, or they call me a team leader, or perhaps I'm just a a worker, I'm a, a person, Perhaps it might have to do with your profession, right? You could be a welder or a nurse or a lawnmower. I suppose names that you could have been called might have to do with relationships that you have, right? You might be called son or daughter, husband, wife, father, mother, cousin, uncle, aunt, niece, nephew. Right? Perhaps when you hear that question, what names have you been called, Maybe your mind goes someplace good, right? That someone called you something because of something good that you did. You showed kindness to someone. You helped them and they, they called you, a yeah, man, you're a great help. Or perhaps your, your mind goes back to the days of grade school when perhaps someone called you a name. Or perhaps as you got a little older, someone called you a name that maybe in a moment was an accurate description. Maybe you lied and they called you a liar. Or it could have been any other thing that you did. Maybe even looking back, you'd have to admit, yeah, that would be a fairly good description of me at that particular moment. Because that's what I did. We have all sorts of names and titles that we have either been given, that we've called ourselves, or perhaps that others have called us. Here's a few more foolish. That one might sting a little bit, wouldn't it? Because my guess is we we like to think of ourselves as smart enough to avoid the, the term foolishness, and yet, well, what would you call someone who knows that another person is far wiser, far smarter Far more powerful, and yet we insist on knowing and saying that we know what's best, and so we're doing it our way. Or what would you call someone who has determined that what I do is what's best for me? And I get to determine morals, I get to determine where, where my life is going. And yes, I may have heard from God's word what God has told me, but well, maybe there's a little bit of that foolishness that creeps in and I say, no, I know better. Scripture describes it as disobedient. He calls us rebellious. I suppose you could summarize all the different names that Scripture begins to call us, including deceiver, deceiver people who are enslaved. You could sum all of those up with a single word. Sinner. And, and the hard thing is, is that we'd be hard-pressed. No, we'd find it impossible to prove that descriptor wrong. In fact, as we look at our lives, and we look at the, the guilt we carry around with us, the more and more accurate that description becomes. Because I haven't been perfectly kind and loving to my neighbors, much less my family. I haven't been perfectly faithful and loving and put God first in my life. There's been moments in my life where I've insisted on being foolish because I thought I knew better, only to be proven wrong by God. There's moments in each of our lives where we insist on saying, I know what's best for me, despite what God has told me. And Scripture rightly calls us disobedient and rebellious. When it comes to sinner, it's a title that's hard for us to shake. Because it's such an accurate description of who we are. I don't know if you saw it in the news this past week, but uh, Tom Cruise and Jerry Bruckheimer were awarded uh, an honorary title this week of Naval Aviator. It means, it's an honorary title that means that they get to wear the Navy's wings of gold. It's an honor that's only been bestowed 36 other times in the entire Navy's history. It's not because of, well, anything... Tom Cruise or Jerry Bruckheimer did while they were in the Navy. No, it's because they made a movie in the, in the mid-80s called Top Gun that talked all about how the Navy flies and what the Navy's about, and they wanted to recognize them for it. And so they gave them this honorary title. It's no different than some of the honorary titles and degrees that, well, other people have gotten. I, I did, well, I spent three minutes researching it this week. It doesn't take long to find out what honorary degrees people have earned. So, I've discovered, or I found out, that uh, Meryl Streep is actually a doctor. She's received four honorary degrees, three of which come from some of the most prestigious universities uh, in our country Harvard, Yale, Princeton. Oprah has four, J.K. Rowling has seven doctorates from schools on two different continents. Jimmy Kimmel and P. Diddy have been awarded honorary doctorates from schools they actually dropped out of. You you look at those honorary degrees and you very quickly realize they're nothing more than a way to try to, I suppose, honor someone for, for things that they've done in life. In fact, you look up what an honorary degree says and it says it's simply something Well, it's a piece of paper. It has no standing behind it. It says they haven't really done any of the work, matriculated through any of the classes, done any of the tests, or done anything that would say, you've earned this degree. It's just simply something that the school gives them and says, hey, smile with this. It's an honorary title. It's not something that they deserved. My guess is, the Navy isn't going to be asking Tom Cruise anytime soon to actually fly one of their F-18 jets. Despite the fact that he's got Navy wings of gold that he has permission now to wear. Have you ever been given a name that you didn't deserve? Listen to that first verse again from John's letter. See what great love the Father has lavished on us? That we should be called children of God. Children of God. It's rather amazing, isn't it? That God looks at each one of us as his children, especially when we heard how Scripture describes each one of us because of our sinful nature. Right? God in his perfect holiness looks at us and what he should see is sin. What he should see are people who struggle against the sinful nature and really, really fail at it. What he should see are people who fail to show love to everyone else but themselves because turns out we love ourselves a lot. And we're selfish. And we put ourselves first. And yet when God looks at us, what he sees is something you and I don't deserve. He calls us his children. Even tells us why. In the very first verse, right? See what great love the Father has lavished on us. It's not a, a, a title that children of God is not a title that we have earned for ourselves. I may call myself the Bishop of Birmingham because I think it's got a nice ring to it, but it's a title I gave myself and means nothing. Children of God is not like that. It's not even a title that I can say, this is mine and I'm going to declare myself to be a child of God. It's not something I earn, deserve, or, or even call myself. It's something God has looked at me and called me. In his great love for us, God made me and you his child. And that love is a a sacrificial, undeserved love that that caused God to to send his Son to live and to die for us. In fact, the Apostle John, in the very next chapter of his letter, says God sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That love is a a sacrificial, no-holds-barred type of love that goes that goes any distance, pays any price in order to reclaim you and me as his very own. That forgiveness of Christ washes away all of our sin. It takes away all of our guilt. It gives us Christ's perfection so that when God looks at us, he doesn't see that sin. He doesn't see us as sinners. Instead, he sees one who is perfect. Perfect holy, purified, he sees a saint. He calls us and makes us part of his family so that you and I can be saints. We can be his children. And now God calls believers by a whole new set of names, right? Names like his servants, a nation, his royal subjects, priests, soldiers. But you'd have to agree with me, the dearest of them is to be called his child. And that's what's neat. Being called a child of God is not an honorary title. It actually means something. It means God has literally adopted us into his family and made us his son, made us his daughter. And as a result, all of that which is God's is now yours. Forgiveness, holiness, an eternal home in heaven. The fact that being a child of God is not an honorary title means there's, there's something to it. It means that God is, is our Father looks at us as his children and he loves us and he says we're important and he makes us feel secure because we are part of God's family. As God's children, we are loved. We're important. We're secure. Loved. God the Father not only sends his Son in order to to take away all of our sin, but obligates himself now to do what good fathers do in love for their children. He provides for us. Takes care of us. Loves us. Guards us. Protects us. He says we're important. He provides us with a sense of being worth something. In fact, he tells us how precious we are. He was so precious that he was willing to sacrifice his own son so that you and I could be his sons and daughters. He tells us we're secure. A security that isn't based on us and what we do and how well we love God or how well we love our neighbors. But a sense of security that's based entirely on what our God has done for us, which means when we find ourselves in need of help, in times of trouble, when an emergency crops up, it means we can we can go to Him, and He'll be there for us. It means when we need help, when we pray, we we don't just have a have to feel as though we are approaching a stranger. But we get to talk to the Almighty God who created all things and who holds all things in his hands. Why does any of that matter? Because as children of God, the fact that we're loved, that we are seen as being important in God's eyes, that we derive a sense of security from our Heavenly Father, touches every aspect of our life now, doesn't it? It begins to address the worry and anxiety and fear that I see in life. Because I don't need to be afraid or worried or anxious because my Heavenly Father has given me promise after promise of all that He'll do for me out of love for me. It means when I feel tired and alone, and as if no one is around, that even seems as though God has abandoned me. God tells me in his word just how important I am to him. Important enough to show me his love in the most beautiful way. Sacrificing himself so that I could be his. Right? So that even when times are good, I don't begin to look at all the blessings I might have in my life and say, okay, now I've made it. Instead, I see those things as simply blessings from a Heavenly Father who continues to provide all that I need in life. You see, as, as, as children of God, sinners who have been adopted into God's family and now called saints, It means you and I can pray with confidence as we we look at a world that just seems to be coming unhinged and say, Lord, keep me steadfast, not only in your word, but keep me safe in your hands. Lord, keep me as your child today, tomorrow, and every day until you come again where then I will be a saint, a child of God forever. Amen. And the peace of God which goes beyond our understanding will guard and will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.